everybody. We are Triple ALC, Albertson's African American Leadership Council, and we welcome everybody to our conversation. Today, our conversation is based on uh, International Women's Month, but specifically from a Black perspective. Um, again, like last time, this will be a relaxed and open dialogue to give others an insight, uh, a window into how we feel and think. Um, and to reach us, just reach out to us at triple uh, ALC at albersons.com or on uh, of the link through the diversity webpage. Um, send questions, uh, feedback, sign up. So let's go ahead right into the topic and, and talk about uh, black women in corporate America. But I, I think we want to start out with with introducing who's on today. Who's on today? Who do we have? Sharon Hall is on today. This is Suzanne Mercer. PBT's on the call. And Remar Christie. You want to kind of open us up with? Yeah, with <clears throat> yeah, I can do that. Um, and just excited to kind of have this conversation. I know that uh, there are two very special women on this call. You know, Sharon and Suzanne, and we are going to. I think we're going to let them do the majority of the speaking because obviously we can't do speaking for them because it's. We're talking about women, um, but I think, yeah, the topic is black women in corporate America. Uh, we wanted to start on black women and representation, more uh, starting with the importance of the black woman in the black community, then going into specifically the corporate aspect of it, and then breaking it down to, you know, everyday discrimination, ambition, support at work, and then solutions. So I will kick it off to Sharon. <laughs> uh, can you talk about the importance of black women in the black community from your perspective? From my perspective, um, I immediately go to my mom and as being very important in the black community because um, she was seen as someone as as most mothers are, they are the they they are the force to be reckoned with. They are the ones who hold it down uh, from taking care of the home, doing working outside the home, and also at times, most of the time, being a disciplinarian and. Uh, and then having a, a strong role in the church. And so for, for me, I, I think of, they wore so many hats and they wear so many hats that you, you um, they command um, attention and respect. And so that's something that, that really stood out with me and continues to stand out with me um, people have pet names for their uh, the, the women in their lives and, and, and what they mean to them in their homes and in their communities. And so when I just think about where I was raised and think about in my community and in my church, how many people we just had these terms of endearment for them because, I mean, they were just holding it down. I mean, your neighbor's child um was was seen as their child and even in the church and even teachers it is it's just 
it's just such a uh, strong presence that is just unbelievable and but so well received and respected and appreciated yeah definitely sharon i from i agree with you because growing up in my community in in, in the black community especially at church you always had the 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 mothers of the church that were highly respected and sat in the front of the pews and and always wore white and if anything went wrong, they were the ones that were fixing it. Or if somebody was acting up, they were the ones that fixing it. So definitely, I agree with you there. And then also growing up in the community, just to kind of uh, back you up on that as well, it seems like my best friends, their mom was my mom, right? And so I always called yes. uh, my best friend's mom. Hey, mom, how you doing? I mean, if I yes. called her something other than mom, Ooh, I was in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yes. You better not say nothing. Um, if, if I said Mrs. Rankin, <laughs> that is so wrong. Who are you talking to? Right? So uh, that's been my experience for sure. To tag on to that, uh, in, and I don't know if many of you know, I'm from Jamaica. And in the Caribbean, and I know probably Remar can um, attest to this too, for our elders, we use the term aunt and uncle. And so, and, and I'm not talking about just anybody, I'm talking about like if, if you knew somebody very well. They're not a relative, but you would say aunt so-and-so and, or uncle so-and-so out of respect. So one of the things that was very difficult for me when I came here was to have children call their elders by their first name. and. For me, when I was raising my children, it was a tug of war because I was teaching them to do that. And yet when we were in a group setting, somebody would say, oh, you don't need to call me that, you know, call me by my first name. And so after a while, I just gave up. After, you know, quite a few years, I gave up because they were getting more of that than I was reinforcing. The, you know, the pressures out there were more. Um, so that was difficult, but I, that's still ingrained in me to this day. Ooh, if I didn't call somebody by auntie or uncle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, for real. I even, I, I still tell my kids to do that. Uh, same thing. Remar, same thing with you? Uh, yes and no. So I am on, so... On my mom's side, yes. On my dad's side, no. So auntie and uncle on my mom's side, everyone that's, uh, you know, from family to non-family, just elders, auntie and uncle. But on my dad's side, it was totally normal to just call people by their first name. So we would go back and forth between doing that. Um, So I'm like kind of in the middle with that where... I I understand and I get the respect factor of it, but also just respecting what people want to be called is another part of it for me too. Because like I said, on my dad's side, we hardly ever, even my dad's brothers and sisters, we never called them aunt this or uncle that. We just called them by their first name. And that's just how my dad's family does it. I have no idea why. But my grandmother, his mom, she's just granny. That's 
that's all she is. But her her children, so my dad's siblings, they're just go by their first names or the nicknames that they had growing up and that's all we ever knew them by. But on my mom's side it's like a totally different thing. So I'm in the middle with that. <laughs> but now with with Kingsley, our son, we're teaching him to call people aunt and uncle and then we have some we have some friends who are from different cultures so we ask them like what is what is culturally appropriate for you so then we do it that way to add on to what uh sharon was talking about i grew up with a very strong um female presence in my upbringing as well as um in leadership roles, and so that was what I saw. And that's what I, I saw people of, of course, growing up in the Caribbean, you see a lot of people who look like you in leadership roles. So I didn't have that um, disparity or inequality in the Caribbean growing up. Um, it wasn't until I came here that it was a huge difference and that was that was hard, but it's wonderful to have had that, um, for lack of a better term. I was raised that way, and I had that base and that foundation that helped me um, to see myself and how I viewed myself. But it, what's interesting is, since I've been here, some of that um, has played a role in how I see myself, you know, negatively. Um, and sometimes, uh, you know, I've had to catch myself just because of, I live it, I'm, I'm living in it, I see it. And so it had, it had affected me, it has affected me to some degree, um, but not too much where, you know, it, 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 it has changed my perspective. But yeah, I I will agree. Um, in my culture, you had women like Sharon says they were holding it down on in all areas, and that's it's just a given. That's what we do, which I think so, is very admirable. I almost want to ask a question, and Remar, I hope I don't jump on the next question. <laughs> no, I almost actually have a question in my head too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, rock paper scissors. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of that in the black community versus corporate, right? How does that translate, right? You have a lot of a lot of respect and a lot of responsibility in the community. And then when you go into the corporate world, that almost changes, right? Because you're not even looked upon with the same type of respect. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect in our community about respect and respecting black women. Um, uh, I'm thinking of a quote of Malcolm X that he says, the most disrespected woman uh, person in the in the United States is a black woman, but mm -hmm. I, I don't want to really delve too deep into that. But how does that make you guys feel? Um, I guess kind of segueing into the next sub subject. Well, oh, how do I? How do, where do I start <laughs> on this? <laughs> okay, so going back to re to Et's uh, question. First, when you look at it, when a black woman enters the corporate world, her entire uh, space is different. She's no longer in the black community. 
um, she's now in the white world, so to speak, and the rules of the game are different. That's the first thing. And no longer is a black woman looked upon in the air, in, and given the respect and all of that that we just talked about. It's a completely different playing field. That's the first, that's, that's the first eye-opener or first thing yeah. I, I see. I know for me, I can't speak for all, all women, but I know for me, I've had to not be my true self. I've had to tone myself down to not be, uh, not be perceived as something or someone that I'm not. I've had mm-hmm. to adjust to fit in. And, you know, my um, counterparts, white counterparts, I'm sure, have never had to think about how they had to adjust in order to fit in to avoid stereotypes and being mislabeled. Uh, with certain labels of being too aggressive or being angry or any of these things just because you are vocal or just because you can articulate what you are not going to tolerate. And I, I think that that's a big deal. So it's, it's, it's a little sad, but I've gotten older now, so I really don't care about toning myself down Sharon will be Sharon. That's just the bottom line because uh, age has taught me a lot and I'm going to be me. Uh, And that's just the bottom line. So, but, and, and, and if I had to give advice to a younger person, I would tell them, don't let someone else steal your identity. Be who you are. Be who God created you to be and let your natural self show. That's what I would tell someone because it's painful when you try to suppress who you truly are just to fit in. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Thank you for sharing so, that. I, I do. So, I, I do have a oh, question. Good. I'm going to ask Paul to yeah. jump in. No, Sharon, I, I, I think it's fascinating when you say, you know, be who you want to be. And do you, do you think that we're at a stage where I'm not going to say that it's necessarily widely accepted because I think it should be. But do you think it's a place where you can say, no, just be yourself. You don't need to worry about how other people perceive that anymore. Or is there, you should behave the way you want to and be who you are and then deal with whatever comes in in a more um, kind of uh, diplomatic way. Like, you know what, no, it's it's okay for me to be who I am. It's not okay for you to tell me it's not. No. Suzanne? I don't think it has, well, it's changing and we're getting there, but the race is slow. It's slow going. Uh, But I was thinking about it last night. If I wanted to wear, how would I have been perceived if I wanted to wear braids and wear my African garb, etc. at work? I know a lot of people would be uncomfortable with that. Yeah, it, you know, here at Al- Albertsons here in Boise, Idaho. I think you. I think it would be a mixture of discomfort, and you would be perceived as um, what's the word I'm looking for? A novelty. I don't know if that's the right word for that. I think it would be a mix, though, Re. I, I think yeah. it would be 
you'll have a lot of support, vocal support. I think the non-vocal or the non-supportive people will come off in a negative way, but kind of backhanded. Um, I don't think I don't think it would be like microaggressions, yeah. right? And and the the other the other piece to that too is you wouldn't feel comfortable doing it. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. The the whole goal for somebody to dress a certain way is to feel comfortable so that they can be more productive, so that they can feel like they're a part. Right. But if somebody's constantly making comments, even if it's positive, oh, that's so nice. Where did you get that from? Blah blah blah. After a while, you ain't gonna have time to talk because or time to work because everybody will be talking to you. It's yeah. just not a natural flow, and and you see somebody dressed differently, and then it becomes a focal point, and it makes you uncomfortable as a person. And then you're trying to sift through, well, is it was it a genuine comment or was it a microaggression? Correct. Yeah, I think it's what interesting. You were, sorry, go ahead. Interesting that you said that, uh, Et, because that's what I had to do when I came here. I had to to fit in. I had to lose my accent because I was tired of people saying, oh, you're from Jamaica, can you say something? Or can, it was, I couldn't get through a conversation. And at first it was wonderful, you know, but after a while it, and then people couldn't understand. When I got in the corporate world too, if I was on the phone, people couldn't understand me. And I just said, I can't, I can't be bothered with this. This is too much. So I switched. And it took some time, you know, it it was a conscious thing that I had to try. And eventually, you know, because people now say, I can hear a little bit of an accent. And I was like, you'd have no idea. (laughs) I think I I can switch it like that. But I had to do the same thing as um, E.T. just just mentioned. And I did that with my accent. We are naturally vibrant people is a good way to say it we love wearing colorful clothes we love expressing ourselves but a lot of times uh in the the corporate arena there's just no there's no safe space to do that so can you guys like speak to your experiences on um how you guys have felt coming into the corporate world and just like you guys talked about toning down yourselves, but more specifically in terms of hair, dress code, jewelry, et cetera. Well, I know for me, uh, I've always been a conservative dresser. So even, uh, even though I do love colors, I like to create my own style, even with my hair, even with the choice of jewelry. I've never been a flashy, flashy person, but I know that um the, you know even from nails and how people like to get their nails done and how colorful they like to make them um but i've i've always just been very conscious of my conservative nature and so i've never really had a problem with clothing or style or anything like that or even hair in the um in the workplace but i would always get uh feedback about my hair in that one day i would have it one way another day i would have it another way and people would say how do you how do you have all those hairstyles how do you do that and i say honey that's just a black thing we could do anything with our hair that's just how it rolls that's how we roll you know uh because people they would just they would just say you know how did you get your hair like that or blah 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 blah." you know and i say hey that's that's just how our 
hair is. We can do a whole lot with it. We can wear it straight. We can wear it curly. We can wear it all these different styles. And whatever style we choose, it complements us. And it speaks to our identity. Uh, all races uh, don't have that privilege to do that with their hair. And we do. Nice. Um, so, I it mean, I wear it proudly. I create a different style, whatever day of the week I feel like it. And um, because <laughs> I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I am not on the conservative side, but I dress that way because I'm in corporate. Um, and I think some of that has to do with, of course, uh, well, a lot of that has to do with uh, two things. One, I was born and raised in the Caribbean. And two, my father was an artist. So, you know, Anything you know about artists? <laughs> <laughs> and my, that was me. And I think to some degree, um, some people may say I wear a lot of colorful um, attire because I, that's me. I love it. But I would, it would be even more colorful and more bold if I. Um, and and two, I don't have access to a lot of that stuff here in Boise, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, one thing with me, like Sharon said, I will, well, I will dress and I will mirror the behavior some, a lot of times of the person that, or the group I'm with just because it's easier for me. And, uh, you know, some people might say, boy, Suzanne, you're selling out. Why don't you just be you? But I can't take the uncomfortableness, it, it, you know, and I, I just, I can't be bothered with it. Um, and that's something that I've chosen to do just because for me to, I'm coming from a, a mindset of I can't fight City Hall, mm. right? And so I just decide that I'm, I'm going to do that because it's easier for me to have to explain to you and I, I just don't want to navigate that space. It, it's, it's for, for me, it's just too much. It's challenging, it's too much, and um, I've just decided to do that. I've had friends tell me, boy, Suzanne, you're a sellout. <laughs> and I'll own no that. No way. Yeah. But, do, hey, yeah. Suzanne, no. do those friends live in Idaho? No, they're, they're my yeah. Jamaican friends. So. Well, I, yeah. I, as you were saying that, I totally understood what you were saying because being a, a minority in an area where a lot, a lot of culture and diversity is not readily available, okay. you get tired standing out and you get tired of all those uh, uncomfortable feelings like you talked about. So right. I, I think it's easy for someone who is in a place where there's a lot of culture and diversity to say that you're a sellout because it's easier to have that expression in my opinion in places like that versus places here where it's, you get a lot of questions you get a lot of comments you get a lot of all this stuff that you the don't stairs the, the stairs, stairs the stuff that yeah, you don't want to deal the with stairs is that you know if, if i'm in a meeting and the stairs and you, you just and when you look at them they look away 
you know, I just, I just can't be bothered with that. <laughs> yeah, and for me, as you, as you, as you were just talking about the stairs, I felt like the word um, novelty or um, what's another word? Novelty popped into my head because it's mm-hmm. like they're they're staring at you because it's different and it's new to them, and it makes you feel like you are just. Um, on a pedestal for everyone to look at, and that's not what you're doing it for. Right. And I think that Sharon talked about this earlier, is, you know, that label of the angry black woman, when you're just ambitious, you, you're you're um, true to who you are, and you know what you stand for, and you know what you're going to take. So can you guys talk about experiencing that within corporate america because you guys have been in corporate america for a while so you guys i'm sure you guys have definitely experienced that that side of it where someone has accused you of being the angry black woman where you're just being ambitious and standing up for yourself well i can tell you nobody has accused me of being an angry black woman to your face they have <laughs> my face very good <laughs> Uh, because everybody knows that, that I have no problem calling them out on, on whatever, but uh, people have said, well, you, you, you're too aggressive, you're, you're too bold. And I'm like, no, because when I look at the male counterparts, they do the same thing that I do, but yet that is accepted. But when I do it, it's considered differently, and that's not right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that you have to compete with not only what what's acceptable for males to do in the workplace, but then what you also see from a, a person of color and what the expectation is that maybe we're just supposed to be submissive, be quiet, sit back, put our heads down, do the work, and don't say anything. But like I've said, I've never been that type of person to just sit back and watch how things go and not say anything. I've always spoken up. And um, and so I've never been I've never been a person who has been uh, even labeled as being too ambitious because I've always been for uh, do the work. And when you do the work and let your work speak for you, no one can accuse you and do it the right way. Uh, not, you know, trying to belittle someone or not trying to step on someone or take credit for something that you didn't do. There's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. And so I've always had a reputation of doing things the right way, but I've always, and I've also had a reputation of, I don't think you want to get on her bad side because people (laughs) knew that I would tell them straight up what they did, how it made me feel, and what I'm not going to tolerate. That's just how mm-hmm. it was. So I, I think this kind of, I think we have two opposite people, right? We have Suzanne, who's more quiet, and, and Meek, and Sharon, that's a little bit uh, more uh, <laughs> <Meek>. outward. Bold, <laughs> bold, say it, bold, fold. I don't have to say it, you do, you do. But, <laughs> I mean, from an ambition Look or ambitious... Paul. I know, right? Suzanne's so quiet, she scares the living daylights out of me. (laughs) Right? So how has that been for you, Suzanne? I mean, it's it's just you guys have two different uh, personalities in certain certain aspects. So how has that held you back, um, being a little bit more quiet? 
yes and no. So, <laughs> for me, I am more, I'm not reactive. I am the type of person that you'll say something and I'll give you a little while and then I'll respond. Or I'll wait to respond. I, I, I just never fire off like that. Sometimes I do. And my children will probably tell you a different story, but <laughs> it, um, but for me, yes and no. So in the corporate world, like I said, I, um, I will watch and see what's, how a situation plays out and then I will respond to it. Um, whether it's, um, and, and then of course doing that has caused, caused um, me to, or other people I should say, to um, think that they can get away with things mm -hmm. and treat me a certain way. And in some situations, uh, there were times when I didn't say anything because out of fear of losing my job. And because I was the sole provider in my family, I didn't want to take that risk. And so, so I didn't just say being black, Just being black would put you on the chopping block faster? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. Black and being a woman. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It did. And so I didn't see anything um, in those situations. So that would keep you from being ambitious, so to speak, in certain ways. You wouldn't put yourself out there. Correct. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think what? that's like, uh, I don't think that's something that's uncommon. Uh, like Suzanne's case is not uncommon because I've heard stories like that where black women are afraid to say something because of exactly what she just said. Yeah, it isn't uncommon. There, there are a lot of people who I know do that. Um, but what's also interesting is I talked to quite a few um, of my friends, some were Jamaican, um, and who work in a corporate space. And I, I wanted to see what their perspectives were because I, I have like three, I have three companies that I work, that I worked in. Uh, so well, Albertsons currently, um, one, another larger um, employer here in the Treasure Valley, which my boss was black there in HR. So I had a great experience. And my colleagues in HR, I had no trouble at all um, there. So, and that was the largest extent of my um, my corporate experience, which was wonderful. But there were some others that weren't, were, were negative experiences. But in talking to a few of my colleagues, what's interesting is I have a classmate who won, it's a first for her. She, it was, she's the first Caribbean woman to win this award. It's called WeQual, W-E-Q-U-A-L. And what she said was very interesting. She's in the finance arena and she's, um, she's a director. And she said, 
what has happened in her experience, and she's talking from, um, you know, in the Caribbean, that sort of thing. And it's the same, it was the same thing, the same experience. And I thought that was interesting. She says on the local level, she doesn't have a problem, of course, because, uh, you know, Jamaicans are out of many one people and you have se you have a lot of women, um, men, we don't have that at the local level. However, when you have a, com a parent company in another country, when they come or when they go to the go to Jamaica, they will you will find that disparity. So they will come. Um, you don't get the privilege. You don't get the opportunities that you could because they will come and work and they will fill those gaps. They will fill those positions. So you don't get those opportunities as readily. Um, she also mentioned that um she they don't recognize your work you will do the work you'll make the suggestions um but they don't recognize and they will either go to somebody else to say is this how it's done or is this how it should be done so i found those things very very interesting from her perspective on the caribbean level um i had i had another friend of mine she's jamaican she's a director of a back east in Maryland, she's director of, at a hospital. And her experience is, she said, she gets, she says at least twice, she's been at that company for five years, but in her whole experience, she said, people are always trying to undermine her because she, um, she doesn't tolerate, she's like uh, Sharon, she doesn't tolerate, um, and she's always, uh, she wants to work for equality and um, you know, she's always working to, and striving to um, and fighting for her team. And she says she always is being attacked. In fact, one of the jokes she said is that she was trying to recognize one of her, um, her nurses and they were saying, please, please, no, don't draw any attention to us because you know what happens as soon as you draw attention to us, our team gets attacked. So she said, you know, that's, um, so it's, it's all over. It wow. is all over. I have a teacher, uh, another Jamaican that's a teacher here in, um, Utah and the microaggressions that she experiences. She said one, one, one example she gave me was she was sitting at her desk. She has another teacher who's, um, across from her and she just kept getting the stairs. So eventually she came she came over to her and she said to her, do you want to be, how do, how do you like to be called? Do you want to be called black, Negro, or, and so Karen is kind of <laughs> like me. She stopped for a little while and she said to her, well, if you're racist, you can call me a Negro or black, <laughs> but if you're a human being, you can call me Karen. And I said to her, you did not. And she said, yes, I did, because I that was just tired of it. <laughs> that is a great She said, response. I was tired of it. And what happened with that was that she got written up. Oh. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so, you know, but she said, and I, so I said, what happened with all of that? She said, eventually the person left, that other teacher left. Um, but she said, Suzanne, I'm not, nobody's going to run me out of my position. I didn't do anything wrong. I'll start, you know, so she has a, she's a little different from me in that way. She will, but, um, you know, it's interesting that 
a lot of my um, friends who are in the corporate world experience that too as well. So with talking about that stuff, do you, you feel like you have adequate support at work in terms of leadership, um, subordinates, or lateral support when it comes to, I know we have the support of the triple ALC, um, but as women in corporate America, do you guys feel like you have support of leadership, subordinates, and laterally, specifically at the Boise campus where we're at with Albertson's company? I'm, you know, I, I feel like I have support. I want I want to ask a question on this one because I think I think something that you you just said, um, Sharon, talk, talking uh, sorry not Sharon, Suzanne talking about that that experience is that that's why groups like AAALC are so important and it's very important there are people who don't look like you on this group as advocates to call that out coming from somebody else. Does that make sense? Here, here at the Boise campus, I don't, um, I haven't experienced any of that here. Uh, the microaggressions, uh, things like that. There are some people who will ask certain questions, but, um, you know, I look at it as they genuinely don't know. And they, you know, they, they're just asking a question. Um, as far as support, um, There's nobody in my area that looks like me in a leadership role. <laughs> so from that perspective, no. And um, the previous company that I was at, I had, um, like I said, uh, my boss was black and she was the HR manager. Um, but what, the, what I really enjoyed about working for her is she she would say, hey, Suzanne, I'd like you to, um, well, first of all, we had the conversation. She asked me, where do you want to go? You know, what are your goals? All of that kind of stuff. She wanted to know what, um, wh where I wanted to go with my career. And then what she would do is help to foster that, which um, was wonderful. You know, I got numerous experiences um, in that position. But like I said, here I don't, in my um, area, I don't have anybody that is, uh, that looks like me. And so from that aspect, no, I don't. I don't see, um, I don't get support that way. Not that, um, and what's, if anybody listened to uh, Shelley Archambault, um, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to her, but her thing is nobody else is in charge of your career but you. So you need to go out, seek it, do whatever you need to do to get where you want to be. Find those people who um, will support you. Find those mentors, wherever, wherever you need to find them if they're not in your work in the workplace you have to go somewhere else and find that support and i um you know i i, I appreciate her saying that too because sometimes hey, we suzanne. get mm -hmm. 
Oh, I was just going to say, if nobody's heard it, we actually have it as a link on our, our SharePoint site. Right, oh, Paul? you need to go listen to her. That that was an awesome, awesome um, interview. Yeah, it was fantastic. It yep. was wonderful. I'll if anyone's listening right now, I'll tell you, if you don't watch anything else, watch that. I also talked to, there's a lady that I know personally, and she um, she worked for J.P. Morgan. Incredible, incredible work that she's doing. She worked for J.P. Morgan and um, the Federal Reserve. And she is... She did a lot of work there in developing black talent. And eventually that led to her owning, uh, opening up her own company called Allery Talent. Um, yeah, Allery Talent. And what some of the recommendations that, well, actually what she does is she, her company, so what she does is she, like say for instance, Albertsons went to her and said, we want to find out where our gaps are, where our opportunities are, you know, what's going on. So what she does is takes the data, the human capital data, and she um, looks at it, and then she goes back and says, these are where your, um, your weak points are, and that's how she builds black talent. That's how she builds leadership, um, black leadership. And um, so I found that very interesting. I list, and if anybody needs, um, what I'm going to do is I can send that uh, information to Paul, and then he can put it up on our site. If it was a great um, interview with her, and she says they're post George Floyd, everybody is interested in that. Not that they weren't before, but it it's even more so now. Companies are even more so interested in um, developing and um, black talent. And so um, it was good to talk to her and hear her perspective. She is she wrote a book um, and she's coming from nothing to where she's today. A very, very incredible um, woman that I and I, I just look up to her tremendously. I've been reflecting and I was listening to Suzanne and uh, I've always been a proponent of um, owning my destiny. And it reminded me of early in my career when I, no one else in the workplace looked like me. There was no one else on my level. And so I reached out to one of my um, uh, white male leaders and I asked if he would mentor me. And his response was, he didn't have time um, and wasn't interested in being a mentor. And uh, that, that kind of crushed me because I thought the person had more respect for me and my work. And, but when I asked the question directly, I definitely got a direct answer and it told me a lot. And so I knew at that point that if there was anything that needed to happen as far as my career, uh, that I needed to be in, in charge of that. And then I, had, then I had a CEO of a company that I worked for that I respected highly and he respected me. And he came to me one day and he said, come into my office. And, uh, and I did. And he said, he said, um, you don't market yourself very well. And I said, what? He said, I can see the work that you're doing. I can see 
that you are making a difference. So he told me that, you know, I needed to market myself, that me, um, uh, me just working behind the scenes with my head down was just not going to cut it in corporate America, that I needed to promote myself, that I was doing a lot, making a difference, and people needed to see it, and they, it needed to be uh, known. And I was, I was always a, a person who really didn't want to toot my own horn or anything of that nature, because I just thought it was just not cool. But I learned that, hey, if I was going to be in corporate America, I really did need to be able to share what I was doing so that people would know. And um, so I began to circulate and, you know, just in small ways, what I had been doing with different people in my circle and different things of that nature. But that was a lesson that I learned early on in my career that I carried with me, uh, that I will always carry with me because it made a difference to me. And so because of that, I never was afraid to begin to just share the work, the, the progress of what I was doing. And so it was a lesson that um, even though I didn't have a mentor, someone thought enough of me, uh, especially at that level, to make it known early in my career that that's what I needed to do. And that's what I did. That's awesome. It is, and that that listening to that story, it's it kind of reminds me. And and Sharon, you're gonna have to forgive me on this, but you you and Shelley, for me, have very kind of similar stories. Um, when I when I listened to you both talking, because it sounded like she was saying the same thing, and it was like you know if you, and one of the, one of the things she said during that meeting that that hit me because I'm not somebody who likes to go out there and toot my own horn either. I'm not I'm not somebody who goes out and says, look at this great work I did. I need to be recognized. It's fantastic. And she was saying, how do you get those introverts that can't do that to actually go out and do that? And she said, you've just got to learn how to do it. Um, that's very easy to say that you have to go out there and, and learn to do it. But I, I would, you know, if there's any advice out there, how you can advocate for yourself in that way when you're not that kind of person. Do you have, do you have any of that to share from either Suzanne or Sharon? Uh, one of the things that Shelley that I really enjoyed that she said was, you know how you talk about the, was it a 60 second elevator pitch? Remember when she was talking about um, getting recognized is when somebody would ask, hey, what's you doing? You know, say, oh my goodness, I'm doing blah, 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 or this or that, I'm working on this, I've been so busy. And then every time they talk to you and they ask you what you're doing, have that little pitch so that eventually one day she says, people are going to, hey, hey Suzanne might be interested in this. I heard her talking about so-and-so. Or you plant that seed in their mind that she's always doing something. You know, so I, I really enjoyed her um, when she gave that tidbit of, of uh, advice. Perfect. I was hoping somebody was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess in a way, Paul, you kind of segued into it. I mean, what are the solutions in general, right, yeah. to make black women's advancement a, a priority or addressing bias in hiring? I mean, what can we do? And I think this is like a really good question for Sharon because Sharon is in a position of leadership and she could probably speak to it from that level. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, and the one thing I'll bring up, Sharon, if you can mention it, is that the mentorship program is going to be up and running soon. 
Uh-oh. Oh. Sharon? <laughs> while, we, while we're waiting for her, I'll just interject real quick. Um, one of the things that uh, Valerie um, talked about in her little um, interview, she was saying, which I found interesting, she said, and this segues into the question right now, she says, we need to stop owning the resolution of the problem. Mm. She says, it is not our problem. However, she says, we need to be sitting at the table to help people understand what inequality and white privilege looks like, what microaggressions look like. Um, but we need to stop owning that we you know, owning the resolution of the problem because it's not our problem. I mean, it's affecting us and things like that. However, um, we definitely need to be present and to have a voice, but stop owning it. And I, I never looked at it that way because we do do that. Sharon's back. Go ahead, Sharon. I wanted to, um, I wanted to share this. Uh, I know Paul asked this question about advice and I will share with you what I have done that has been very, very successful as, as far as marketing yourself uh, and really being comfortable with sharing things about what you're doing. And this is something that I chose to do, but every performance evaluation that I have for the last, I don't know how many years, every letter of recommendation from every place where I have worked, I have in a book. All of the highlights and everything that I have done while I was with a certain company uh, and all of those things that have been identified, that became my, um, my brand. I was able to understand who I was looking at all of the recommendations and the things that people said about me so that I was not tooting my own horn, but I was only speaking what other people had said about my work, about my, um, my character, about my professionalism, which began to mold and shape me as a brand and began to help me to articulate in that quick elevator speech about what I was doing. And so I would tell individuals if they are looking for a place to start when they are introvert, because believe it or not, I am an introvert. I am a bona fide what? introvert. And I know you guys would never know it. I am a bona fide introvert. But what, and that's what, and I had to learn, there's a lot of things that I have done in my life to help me to. Uh, navigate away from it so that I can step out of my comfort zone, but I am definitely an introvert. Just letting you guys know that, but you can't tell because I've done a lot of self work on myself. Look at Paul laughing. He's like, I don't <laughs> believe that girl. But, um, but that's one of the things that I had to do because I didn't, I didn't like sharing myself. I didn't like putting myself out there. So I had to rely on recommendations from other people, the things that other people have said. When people would send me an email about something that I did, I compiled all of that stuff and made a whole story. 
I could write a book on everything, <laughs> all the little things that I have done to help me to be a better professional, a better person, uh, a better um, corporate individual, I, I, I could write a book. Really, I could. So I just want to throw that out there when you talk about advice. That was just a, a something because still trying to create an elevator speech, people still don't know how, where would I begin. I'm giving you a place to begin. Um, Sharon, you were, you were talking about mentors and everything else and how um, it was so difficult for you. But I know that we are going to be opening up the mentorship program um, pretty soon here um, for mentors to apply to become mentors. So you right. know, then, you, then you're going to be farmed out, I guess, <laughs> to, to, to the highest bidder. But um, so if, if, if when you talk about that, maybe you can talk about that program, because I know Jonathan mentioned it today on the uh, AIG call. Yes, the uh, the mentor being opened up to corporate and backstage employees who are members of the ARGs. That's one of the benefits of being able to get connected to someone who can help you in your career development and on that path and being able to connect with someone who has a genuine interest in helping you to achieve your uh, your development, your your aspirations as a professional, I think it's awesome. Uh, I certainly recommend uh, if, if individuals are interested in 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 um, being a a mentor, that uh, there's definitely more information coming to let people know how to register to be a mentor. And then once they've identified how many mentors they have, then it will be opened up so that individuals who want to be a mentee will be able to register and get um, get uh, joined to an actual mentor. But I think a mentorship program is awesome and really people should really look into it. For sure. I was going to say that's one of our, our pillars um, for, for AAALC is, is uh, reaching out and, and, and reaching down, um, looking for people that, that are actually trying to uh, improve where they're at or in, in move forward in their career. So we definitely want to be a part of that. So if anybody's listening, uh, hit us up and we'll, we'll definitely try to find time, any one of us. All right. So thank you, guys. Uh, I, I think it's been really interesting. I, I, I think a lot of people heard a lot of things that they have never heard before just by you guys opening up and, and being honest. Um, and this podcast is one way to open up the conversation uh, for people listening to it. If you heard something that you never heard before, why don't you ask your your friends and say, hey, I heard something on this podcast. What do you think? Is that is that true? Is that your experience? Maybe that might be the catalyst to start that conversation that we were talking about, right? So let's take and advantage I'd, of that. Or and I'd invite anybody who's listening, if they want to reach out to any one of us, especially um, Sharon and myself, if you're interested in finding out more or asking, I welcome I welcome any questions at all. Um, you know, I I think that's a because we're all creating a safe place. This is a safe space. Mm -hmm. And I believe in fostering that. So mm -hmm. I welcome questions from anybody. So do I. Right. So do I. Maybe we can have a Q&A session at some point. 
that, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. Well, like definitely we can put it on our, our SharePoint. We already have questions uh, or suggestions up there. Maybe we can put that up there as a form, one of our forms. Ah, questions from um, after the podcast so people can yeah. chime in. Yeah, and we'll, yeah. We'll tackle them on the next episode, I guess. Ooh, we got you. <laughs> So if you if if you want to to contact us, why don't you send an email to triple uh, alc at albertsons dot com? Uh, you one of us will will get the email from there and we'll share it with the group and and we'll all answer it um, and I'll make sure that uh, everybody gets their their uh, questions and their emails answered for sure. Yeah.